morning is from Romans chapter 1, and it can be found on page 1,128 in the church Bibles. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you are also among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last by God's will the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. The righteous will live by faith. Anna, thank you so much for reading uh, those words uh, for us. Do keep your, your Bibles open uh, on Romans chapter 1. We're going to be spending the next bit of our time uh, there this morning, as are the I think there's about 30 or so commission churches and church plants uh, across London. We're all thinking about these words uh, together this morning and what it means to be unashamed of uh, the gospel. Let me get my Bible uh, open to. We're going to be focusing on verse 16 uh, together this morning, just that one verse towards the end of our reading. But um, uh, before we do that, I'm going to pray verses 11 and 12 uh, for us. What did Paul write? He wrote that he longed to see the Christians in Rome so that he may impart some spiritual gift to make them strong. What does that mean? He says that is that, that they may be mutually encouraged uh, by one another's faith. Well, let me pray uh, that for us now. Heavenly Father, please would you do those things uh, for us. Thank you for uh, Co-Mission Sunday, this opportunity for us to see one another, to gather uh, together. And Father, we pray that you might use this day to bless us with a spiritual gift to make us strong in our faith. 
Father, please would you uh, mutually encourage us one uh, with another in the faith and by one another's faith. And please, as we hear something of Paul's faith from Romans 1, would you uh, encourage us by his example and trust as well. And so we pray that as he was unashamed of the gospel, that you would make us unashamed of the gospel so that people in Wandsworth and Putney and indeed all across London uh, might be saved. And we pray all this for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, Paul, uh, the great apostle, he was obliged to preach uh, the gospel. It was part of his calling as an apostle. And it's what he's speaking of in verse 14 uh, when he says, uh, sorry, yeah, verse 14, I'm a debtor both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That verse, it's nothing to do with him having a balance on a bunch of credit cards that he uh, desperately needs uh, to pay off. It's not that sort of debt. Uh, Rather, it has everything to do with his duty to share the gospel with all those different groups of people. But I don't know uh, whether you found this. I find that a sense of duty or obligation, to be honest, it's rarely enough. Because I find, well, if I, I don't know, if I'm ashamed, actually, to use the language Paul goes on to use, then if I'm ashamed of the gospel, I'm I'm not going to take it out into my community. I'm not going to share it with my friends because, well, that would just be a bit too embarrassing. If I'm ashamed, I'm not going to take the God-given opportunities that I have to be a part of his big plan for the world. And so after speaking of his obligation, Paul goes on to speak about why he isn't ashamed. But before we get to not being ashamed of uh, the gospel, I want us to take a step back and just ask why we're ever ashamed of anything, why we're ashamed in in general. Now, you can let me uh, know what you think of these afterwards, but I've got four reasons that we can sometimes uh, be ashamed. Uh, Here's the first. I think we can be ashamed of things uh, when they're sort of weak or when they don't work. Um, so we, um, I've been at the Boathouse for, for just about a year now uh, on the team there, and we were only able to move over the summer. Uh, it turns out no one wanted to move house in the middle of a global pandemic. I suppose that's not really uh, much of a surprise. And um, so we're slowly getting to know our new community, and particularly we're slowly getting to know people at the school that my girls started in in September. And not long after they'd started at their new school, my wife, Catherine, came bouncing back uh, from a PTA meeting and she said to me, good news, I found a way that you can get to know some of the other dads at the school. Uh, There's a group of Hotham dads who play football uh, every week. Wouldn't that be wonderful for you to go to that and meet some other dads? And I pulled a bit of a face at her and she could tell pretty quickly that I didn't think that was such a wonderful idea. Because, well, when it comes to sports, uh, I'll give anything a go. And I'll have a great time uh, giving anything a go. But I'm a long way 
from being the world's greatest sportsman. And I think football is probably the sport at which that is the most true. And so, sure, I could go and meet some of the school dads uh, playing football together uh, once a week, but I'd be so ashamed of my lack of any sort of footballing talent uh, that there's no way that that is going uh, to happen. Sometimes we're, we're ashamed of something because it's, it's weak or it doesn't work, like my ability to kick uh, football. Number two, uh, sometimes we're ashamed because we know or because we are afraid that we're going to be shown to be wrong. Uh, when I was at university, I had a friend called Tim. He wasn't someone I, I saw very often. He was sort of more of a friend of a friend, I suppose. But I'd bump into him every uh, week or so, and whenever I saw him, I'd be uh, sure to shout across campus, Hi, Tim. Good to see you. And then in the start of uh, my second year at uni, uh, Tim and I were at a party together, and we ended up having a conversation. It was probably the longest conversation uh, we'd ever had. And after a while, he said to me, um, Dave, you do know that I'm not called Tim, don't you? <laughs> oh, really? I said, as if you know, we could both be in the wrong at this uh, moment. And he said, no, no, my name is James. James. I wasn't even close. It was a dreadfully embarrassing uh, moment. Of course, in that first year, if a friend of mine had said, Dave, you, you do know he's, he's not called Tim, he's called James, that's his name. Well, I wouldn't have carried on calling him Tim, knowing that uh, one day he'd have to uh, correct me. But as it was, I didn't have that conversation, and so I just bumbled on uh, for a year, calling him the wrong name until one day it was too much him that was really really embarrassing and I, I don't like that happening uh, to me so I well I try hard to get names right and if I'm not sure it's your name I might not use it for uh, a while because sometimes we're ashamed if we fear or if we know that we're going to be shown to be wrong uh, third thing sometimes we're ashamed because well the thing in question is shameful it's ignoble. It's not uh, a good thing. I, uh, I am a reader. I enjoy reading. Sebastian Falks is one of my uh, favourite authors, and so it was great that I was given a couple of his more recent books uh, at Christmas time. I started this one uh, earlier in the week, and pretty much the opening words of the book are the main character saying this. I had done a bad thing and wanted to escape the city. Staying in an Upper West Side apartment belonging to my friend Jonas Hoffman, I had ordered in a call girl. Now, uh, let me reassure you that most of Sebastian Falks' books don't start uh, with those words. Uh, you don't need to be worried about the things that I might be uh, reading. But it's a sort of a grabbing, attention-grabbing opening, isn't it? Because the character's shame is obvious. He knows he's done a very bad thing. Sometimes we're ashamed of something because it's quite simply shameful. That's the appropriate response. And then number four, rightly or wrongly, I, I think there's something of a shame around um, privilege and exclusivity. 
So I'm aware that there are things that I have access to as a white, university-educated, straight male, but others don't, and that there's something not quite right about that. Something I've not completely got uh, my head around, but I'm fairly sure it changes my behaviour in some way. But if you can help me think through uh, that one of uh, privilege and exclusivity, I'd love to uh, chat to you uh, later on. There we go. Four reasons we can be ashamed. We can be ashamed of weakness. We can be ashamed because we fear being wrong. We can be ashamed because something is shameful. And we can be ashamed because something is exclusive or privileged or not uh, for all. And as we come back to Romans 1, here's what I want you to know. The gospel is none of those four things. The good news about Jesus Christ has nothing to do with weakness or fear or uh, being wrong or being shameful or being exclusive. There's nothing to be ashamed of in the gospel. And so there's nothing to be ashamed of in sharing the gospel uh, with others. Have a look with me at Paul's words in verse uh, 16. Again, let me read it. He writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Paul says the gospel, it's not weak. It's not like my footballing abilities. What is the gospel? It's the power of God. Nothing is going to stop it. Now, there may be times, there may be times when the gospel feels weak, or certainly that our efforts to share the gospel feel weak but the gospel Paul says it is powerful you see every human being that God rescues will be rescued because of the gospel there has never been there is not and there never will be another way to be saved apart from the power of God in the gospel. It's not weak, it's powerful. And then Paul says, I'm, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because I know I'm going to be proved to be right, to have given my life to this. On the last day, I won't be on the wrong side of history. In other words, the gospel, it's not like me calling James Tim for a year it's not something we're going to be proved wrong about and this comes up in a bit of an interesting uh, way as Paul talks about salvation in verse 16 I wonder if you notice what he said he said the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation do you see what he's saying the salvation it's not here yet it's in the future it's to come now, often I think as Christians, we use sort of saved language to talk about when someone becomes a Christian. And of course, there's a sense in which that's true. When you become a Christian, you are safe, you're saved. 
But it's not the whole picture. So a bit later on in in Romans, in Romans chapter 5, Paul speaks of it uh, in these words. He says, since we have now been justified by his blood, by Christ's blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Because we have been justified, how much more will we be saved salvation it's certain but it's not here yet it won't ultimately be ours until christ returns to right all that is wrong and on that day paul knows that his faith the faith he given he's given his life to his mission our faith our mission will be shown to be right and not wrong And third, Paul is not ashamed of the gospel because it brings something noble, not something ignoble. It brings something honourable, not something dishonourable. It's not like the actions of the character in my book. Because what does the gospel bring? It brings salvation. And there is nothing to be ashamed of in salvation. There's nothing to be ashamed of in having your relationship with your creator restored there's nothing to be ashamed of in the promise of a world made right there's nothing to be ashamed of in the hope of being delivered from shameful practices or having your desires reordered such that you long for things that are pure and lovely and admirable there's nothing to be ashamed of in that these are things that are wonderfully worth celebrating But I think we can get tripped up here uh, sometimes because, of course, if you need to be saved, then there's something that you need to be saved from. And I think we can feel a bit awkward, even a bit ashamed to talk about the sin that we need to be saved from. And that can be particularly hard in our culture that affirms everything that anyone does and that if you don't do that that's seen as seen as deeply unloving and so sometimes we find this uh, hard and we get a bit stuck and we maybe do get a bit ashamed but imagine with me this imagine a doctor has a patient in front of them who has an illness that is both fatal but also curable. Imagine if the doctor said nothing to them about their illness because they didn't want to imply that there was something wrong or deficient in them. We wouldn't say that was loving, would we? We would say that was deeply unloving. Of course you want the doctor to tell you uh, that you're ill because then you can be healed. And so it is with the sin that the gospel saves us from. It's loving to be clear about our malady, that people might see the wonder of God's remedy. Paul's not ashamed because it's not a shameful thing that the gospel brings about. 
And then finally, fourthly, Paul is not ashamed of the gospel because it's for all people. There's no privilege, no exclusivity in the gospel. What does he say? The gospel, it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. In other words, this is a message that crosses ethnic barriers. Or another one of Paul's uh, letters in, in 1 Corinthians 12, as Paul speaks of who makes up the body of Christ, uh, who it is that God is saving. He, he speaks of both how Jew and Gentile are included, but also how slave and free are included. In other words, it, it doesn't only cross ethnic barriers, it crosses the socio-economic ones as well. There's no one this isn't good news for. And isn't that what our fractured city needs? Something that can unite, something that's good news for everyone, something that's hope for all people. Paul says the gospel is nothing to be ashamed of. It's not weak, it's powerful. On the last day it will be proved to be right, not wrong. It leads to something noble, not something shameful. And it's inclusive, not exclusive. Nothing to be ashamed of here. And yet, if you're anything like me, we can still find it hard to share this news with others. I, I guess maybe some of us, we feel the sense of obligation, the debt that Paul speaks of in verse 14. We know that telling other people about Jesus is something that we should do. And yet that sense of duty and obligation, well, it, it just leads to us feeling a bit guilty and a bit bad about how we don't do this, about how little we speak to our friends, our family, our community about Jesus. And if that sounds a bit like you, if you've ever thought those sorts of things. Let me encourage you to spend some time in this verse, in verse 16 of Romans 1, to, to dwell on the reasons that Paul gives us to not be ashamed of the gospel, to let them take root in your heart again, for them to become wonderful to you once more, to really appreciate the power of God or the inclusivity of God in the gospel. To think, yes, he brought me in when I was so far off. To celebrate that, to delight in that. I don't know if this might help. It, it might help to ask yourself, what is it that makes me ashamed of the gospel? What is it that stops me? Maybe it's one of those four things I mentioned earlier. Uh, maybe it's something else. Take some time to think about that and then to ask, okay, how does what Paul says change, correct my thinking? If you're feeling really brave, you might want to ask someone after uh, the service, maybe someone you know, uh, what it is that makes them ashamed 
and then you can help them to see how what Paul says here uh, speaks to that. And then when we've got ourselves to a point when we are utterly persuaded that there's nothing to be ashamed of in the gospel, in fact that there is a world of good in the gospel, well then we share it far and wide. And as I tell you, uh, to do that, to take the gospel to uh, people across Wandsworth, I want to do so in in the way that um, Paul spoke to the Thessalonians. Do you know how he did that in in 1 Thessalonians? If you've ever spent any time in that book, you may remember that that Paul's always saying, Thessalonians, you're doing really, really well. Now keep going. You're doing really well. Keep going. And that's what I want to say to you uh, this morning. So from small saints to to cameo, from door knocking on the tower blocks above uh, the Southside Shopping Centre to to meeting uh, people on the streets, outside your church building on the week. I love how committed you are to the inclusivity of the gospel that it is for everyone in Wandsworth. So keep going. Keep going, make the most of every opportunity you have to to speak of Jesus, to share the good news about him with anyone, because the gospel is for all. And I've lost, where is it, my flyer for it, but that Hope Explored course that Linda mentioned earlier, the yellow one, that's a wonderful blessing, because as she said, if there's anything we need at the moment as a, a nation, surely it's hope. And so I reckon it would be a really easy ask uh, to a friend or a neighbour, why not come? Come and hear about the hope that the Christian faith has to offer. Do you know what? It's three Monday evenings and what will probably be a pretty dreary January. What's there to lose? And it could change your life. Who could you invite along? And if you're thinking it's too late... Uh, let me tell you, it's not. Um, we, we started a similar course at the Boathouse uh, last week, last Thursday, and um, I realised that there's someone I should have invited. I sent him a message on Wednesday. He was there on Thursday evening. It's never too late. I should have done it uh, ages in advance, but he could make it. Anyway, who could there be that you know uh, that, that you might bring uh, tomorrow night? And I'm sure if you told Richard later in the day that they were coming... Uh, he'd be fine with that wouldn't you Richard yes he'd be fine he'd be absolutely fine who could you invite along uh, to Hope Explored I saw these at the back I know you had a great training session using this uh, word word one to one resource uh, last term another great way of introducing people uh, to Jesus who could you do what uh, Mark Fossey did for me, who could you say to, let me buy you a coffee and tell you a bit about Jesus? This book, it's done all the hard work uh, for you. Who could you ask? Or maybe when someone asks you what you were up to over the weekend, why not mention what we've been thinking about uh, this morning? You might want to tell them what you were up to yesterday. Uh, but then why not say something like this? Oh yeah, and then at church on Sunday, we were looking a bit of, at a bit of the Bible that was reminding us that there's nothing to be ashamed of as Christians in the good news 
about Jesus. In fact, there's only things that we're to celebrate and shout from the rooftops. Who knows? Who knows where in God's powerful hands that conversation might end up? Because what is the gospel? It's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's something to celebrate. And it's our privilege to share that good news uh, with a world that desperately needs to hear it. So as this bit of our time together comes uh, to a close, let me pray that God might help us to do that. Heavenly Father, thank you that there is nothing to be ashamed of in the gospel, that it's not weak, but it's your power. That although people may laugh at it now, that one day it'll be seen to be right and not wrong that it leads to salvation, to something wonderful and not to something shameful, that it's inclusive for all people and not exclusive, only for some. Father, thank you that it is so wonderful. Please, we pray, would you help us to delight in it, even to boast in it, and not to be ashamed of it. Please help us do this, that we might be strong in our faith, And that you might bring many, many people to salvation. Please use us, we pray, weak as we feel. In the power of your spirit to share your gospel. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.